This episode is dedicated to Seth Bailey, a young man who just finished high school and is soon headed off to college. As you head into the world and make paths of your own, Seth, remember the words of the Apostle Paul. Be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. You see, you'll be tempted to be silent, to compromise, and to give in. Don't do it. Stand firm and don't waver from the faith that your parents handed down to you. The world needs men, Seth. True men. Men that will stand for righteousness, that will speak boldly and take godly risks. No fear, no surrender, no king but Christ. Be that man. And may your name echo for a thousand generations in the halls of the kingdom of God. Godspeed, little brother, and lead well. This is how we disable toxic masculinity. We need to kill all men. This pagan patriarchalism that is coming back out of the shadows. Feminists hate patriarchy. It's the woman that runs the show, and the woman that runs the community and is the backbone of, of that area. I'm a nasty woman. A loud, vulgar, proud woman. Patriarchy. You're saying you have authority over me? Go eat your superior. I personally can't see why egalitarianism would be a bad thing. The assumption that wives should make babies instead of money is part of patriarchy. Don't f***ing say hi to strange women you don't know. Patriarchy. The patriarchy. 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 But if her husband, in fact, says nothing to her from day to day, then he confirms all her vows or all her binding obligations which are on her. He has confirmed them because he said nothing to her on the day he heard them. And that is Numbers chapter 30, verse 14. You were on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network, and you are listening to The Patriarchy. My name is Tony Depani, and I am joined by my co-host, Pastor Joseph Randall Spurgeon. Woman, get back in here and make me a sandwich. Joseph, what kind of sandwich are you eating today? I'm uh, I'm having just this this amazing sandwich, but it's it's actually really not the sandwich that's the the, the big deal of this. It's the it's steak the, fries that you have going with it. That, well, I was gonna. It's the fruit that I have with it. The fruit. Okay, that's a, okay. I would not think yeah, that would be so, the better part, but okay, do tell. Yeah, I and mean, this fruit is just like it's amazing. Um, fresh. So, well, I, there's kind of a story that tells that leads up to it. I'm sure there is. <laughs> so, anyways, let me tell you the sandwich part first, so okay, you kind of know go. what's going with it. I'm having uh, it's steak because it's pretty much all I eat. That's that sounds like a good life. That's that, <laughs> that's not, I say expensive life, but that sounds like a good life. So, okay. yeah, it's it's filet mignon. Nice. Very expensive. And, okay. Yeah. It's got some uh, Swiss cheese, mm-hmm. some green peppers and onions, and mm-hmm. and uh, uh, a thousand island dressing, which is really good on it. And okay. then and then uh, it's on a bun. So it's kind of like a steak, uh, like a Philly cheese steak. Gotcha. Okay. I'm I'm, I'm tracking so far. I'm I'm wondering where the fruit is coming in. That's going to be better than the sandwich. 
Oh, oh, I forgot about the fruit. Yeah, so anyways, my wife and I, we were out trying to get the ingredients for this, and so we needed to stop at a place. There's like this farmer's market on the way. Okay. So before we get there, um, we're going to the, we go to the store, we go in there, and this is a little bit of the side part. This is the main dish. In the store, we're trying to get all the different stuff for the meal, we're trying to get some ice cream. And we wanted to get like chocolate syrup for it. Okay. But I didn't want to get Hershey's chocolate. It's too feminist for me. Okay. I'd rather have his he's. Mm-hmm. Okay. But so we grabbed the his he's uh, chocolate syrup. <laughs> this is just not going to get any better. I could tell. Okay. Keep going. <laughs> and so as we're heading out, um, we, uh, pay out the counter and we head out and we go out the store getting get in the van and so we're driving back home and this is where we saw the the, the farmer's market okay you're tracking with me right yeah uh, three minutes into the episode still still tracking okay go on <laughs> so we pulled off the side of the road and you wouldn't believe man like all the kind of vegetables and and stuff they had like corn like it's early in the season, so I, I didn't even know where like they got all this. Okay. But there was one guy who was selling all kinds of different kinds of fruit, and so he was just there was a big long line to get to him. We finally got up there and was like, "Dude, where'd you get all this fruit like this time of the year?" And he's like, "No, I've been I've been doing this work my whole life. I've have greenhouses and." And I've really risen to be one of the best fruit farmers in the whole country. Like, okay. well-known. All right. Okay. And so I was like, you know, we were kind of blown away because we're, we're like in the homesteading stuff. And, and so he had like strawberries, but his like his, the top of his line was pears. Pears. Okay. Yeah. So that's actually what I'm eating with my steak is some pears now. Okay. But anyways, I asked him, I said, well, how, you know, how'd you get started? And he said, you know, he said, I, I kind of owe all my success to my dad. Okay. I mean, that's sounds good. Is dad I was like, oh, that's what I was trying to add. Like, is your dad a farmer? No, he's like, no, my dad wasn't a farmer. He worked in a factory and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, okay. And he, he said, yeah, but when I was a kid, I grew up and I was like afraid of everything. Like I would, you know, I was afraid to go outside and uh, just like one of those kids that was really timid. Is he afraid of a punchline? No, no, Sorry. no. Okay, <laughs> keep going. <laughs> but he was just afraid of everything. Right. And so, you know, he, his dad was really instrumental in helping him to grow up to be this fruit farmer because his dad, you know, would always tell him, you need to grow a pear. I knew this was, oh. Oh, why? Why? Oh, fans. Fans, I do this for you. Sometimes I wonder why. Oh, that was so bad. I I, bet, uh, I don't know. There was one other joke where you went maybe longer than that. And I, but that was that's in your top five worst. That is absolute. I, I'm going to have to go back and start compiling these. Like the top five worst. But he had to grow a pair. Man. Yes. I and so he grew this, up and he grew You, you repeating it does not make it any better. <laughs> Speaking of growing a pear, <laughs> no. Dude, we, he also was telling no. us that they had caught this guy streaking through his church. Why? Why, Why does he keep going? Okay. So he was at church and this guy went 
make it through the church. And okay. thankfully, they, they caught him by the organ. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awful. Oh, that's awful. <laughs> why, why, why do I do? Why do I do this every episode? <laughs> oh, that's so. So bad. that's my how. That's how I've come now to be eating steak sandwich with pears. With pears. With pears. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I highly recommend it. Oh man. Okay. Yeah. I don't, oh, oh goodness. Okay. Well, that was special. Um. <laughs> Okay, well, moving on. Uh, I don't have an actual sandwich, but I have something that my wife made. Um, Uh-oh. No, it was, it was good. It was uh, uh, cashew chicken. You ever had cashew chicken? It was what? Cashew chicken. Uh, like uh, it, it, You make like a sauce that goes on the chicken, and uh, you like slow uh, slow cook it, and then you, you know, mix in cashews and stuff like that and everything with it. And it goes over like... Uh, white rice and it just I, she did a wonderful job it was it was very very good um i i it could argue maybe if you like toasted some bread you could you know make a sandwich out of it later but uh we didn't really have any sandwiches this week um we just we just didn't, it was not a sandwich now that dish week. probably was a long time in the making yeah um yeah so i uh i'll just because- head you off at the pass she she went out back she grabbed the chickens uh, she, you know, butchered the chickens. She plucked them. She, you know, cooked them. And um, I, I don't know what about the cashews. Cashews, yeah. She, 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 <laughs> the cashews. Uh, I feel like there needs to be cheese in here because there's always cheese whenever you go down this road. You know, it's just like did she, did she milk the cow? And like, yeah, sure. Uh, goodness, the first time listeners, uh, Joseph always asked if my wife essentially apparently plans these meals a year in advance. Is what it sounds like, um, which. Well, she I'm did. just assuming because you're on the Patriarchy podcast that your wife is like a slave, and she's out picking cotton right now. Uh, no, no, I, I are you kidding me? I wouldn't have her go out and pick cotton. No, she's churning butter. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I make the kids go pick cotton. Anyway, okay. moving on. Uh, we have a segment we have not had for a long time. I actually don't remember the last time we did the segment. This used to be like a staple. Of our of our episodes, but we, we have we have not done this segment for all. So, friends, it's back. Feminist freak out of the week. This comes courtesy to us from Elizabeth Warren and a crowd of angry uh, uterus havers. Isn't that the political term or something now? I don't know. They're 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 not uh, women. <laughs> I'll tell you that. <laughs> people that can get pregnant. What is it? What are they? Uh, birth no because birthing birthing no no no, because because uh we we should not assume that these some very butch looking women uh don't identify as a non-birthing person you know what's the difference between a feminist and a sumo wrestler uh same picture i don't know (laughs) sumo wrestlers uh shave their legs Oh, oh, that's actually quite true. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I'd probably listen to a sumo wrestler longer than a feminist. Anyway, here we go. Elizabeth Warren. I am angry because we have reached the culmination of what Republicans have been fighting for, angling for, for decades now. And we are going to fight back. Hell Because of who will pay the price for this? It will not be, well, 
Wealthy women like Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> Can, did somebody add the drumming in the background? Or no, is that, no, that's they're they're out. You or can, is there just people that walk around with with her banging Indian sounding drums? Uh, no, I'm pretty, <laughs> I, from the looks from the looks of, from the looks of this video. Uh, yeah, right, Pocahontas. <laughs> uh, from the looks of this video, it might be a few of the sumo wrestlers in the back of the crowd. Okay, we're gonna keep going. this last third here in just a sec but uh because uh, she talks about uh basically men being the cause of all this um i gotta tell you she has to be the most least intimidating feminist i've seen she she's almost like uh if somebody's grandmother just got really angry and went on a rant in the street i she's just not intimidating whatsoever uh she sounds almost shaky i don't know if you hear that in her yeah. voice but yeah it's she sounds unhinged, and yeah. Here's the thing: so we're, we're this is in light of the Supreme Court possibly overruling Roe v. Wade, and so she brings up the whole. I mean, this is the whole argument now that like poor people will bear the burden of this. Yeah, what which, you notice? Did you notice she actually said mothers? At the one point too, when she's talking about well, them. she's talking about people that, that in her mind already have kids that are born. Right, but they but have by, three jobs, but, and so but, if they have another baby, they'll have to go and get a fourth job. Right, but by insinuating that they're they're, she said already have children. And I was like, what well, are you insinuating that the baby's a, 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 like a child? Sure, yeah, you know, child. So here, let, let's uh, we got uh, about forty seconds left to this. So let's listen to this part. Oh, angry but committed. video where she's saying that but yeah the end cheer there you go that was that was our feminist freak out of the week that was actually kind of sad it's just sad that people rally around that but such is the country you live in right now. well this is what happens is you have i mean it sounds like it sounds terrible because she could be somebody's grandmother right yeah, well, she, she very, and she, might very well be. Yeah. yeah, well, she might really be. But what I mean is, like, when I think about my grandmother, I don't think about a woman that's, like, screaming her head off and and ranting in the streets. I think about, about my sweet grandma. <laughs> right. 
I know. <laughs> right. Cooks meals, loves her family. And uh, uh, been married to her husband almost 70 years. And had kids and had miscarriages and, and yet did a lot of care and work. Like she she taught piano lessons and did other things to help in the home. And, and so it's, it's hard to then imagine that somebody is old enough to be a grandmother like that is, is out screaming about being able to murder a baby. Yeah. So how, yeah. How do yeah. you get there? It's like, it's like, it's a long line of sin that gets you to a place like this. Like it's not, you don't start out as a little girl playing with baby dolls, thinking you're going to murder a baby. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, or we're our uh, our next baby is due. Let's see, about yeah, a little less than a month from now. And uh, my daughter, yeah, she's just super excited about the baby. She actually said the other day, she's like, "I'm tired of the baby dolls. I want the baby now." <laughs> and I was like, "Good for you, honey." <laughs> Yeah, I mean, my my da- oldest daughter and and our youngest baby. It's like she's mommy part two. Like she, mm-hmm. yeah, she's always holding him and caring for him, changing the diaper. It's just beautiful to watch. Mm-hmm. But somewhere down the line, people go from that to murdering their baby. It's small little s- sins along the way, and oftentimes it's it's uh, it can't place all the blame because feminism, you know. Eve rebelled at the very beginning. Uh, but a whole lot of the responsibility does fall on the fathers and the husbands, which I think is is you know, kind of what we want to talk about today. So, uh, that was the smoothest segue we've ever had on this show. It would have been even smoother if you had not brought attention to it. Well, but we all know that I'm not, I'm not a good segue driver. So at some point... <laughs> Whether I'm driving that Segway or whether you are, I got to wreck it. <laughs> I got to do that spin, you know. The, I mean, I was, t- I was bringing us in nice and smooth. You were, and then this. I just reached up and snapped off the landing gear and uh, let that baby nosedive and skid across the runway. But hey, you know what? It landed and we're here <laughs> sort of in one piece. So <laughs> <laughs> We're alive. We made it. We're alive. We're good. So why don't you introduce what we're talking about here? Yeah, thank you. So we're talking today about uh, uh, the duty of husbands and fathers in the home to protect the home and in particular to protect the home from sin. All right. So uh, we, we just read a verse from Numbers 30 and I'm going to come back to that. But uh, the go-to kind of verse that I'm thinking about for husbands and this goes for fathers is Ephesians 5. And it says, uh, husbands, love your, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And, uh, this, like this duty that we have to love our wives is mentioned. If you read Ephesians 5, 25 to 33, it's mentioned like four or five times. Love your wives, love your wives, love your wives. And, part of what loving your wife is, is illustrated by two different things that Christ loved the church and you're loving her as your own body. Mm-hmm. And then you see that Christ's love actually has a purpose. 
right? So the love in the marriage and the love in the home doesn't exist necessarily just for its own sake. There's a there's a purpose in the love, and and that love of Christ is that He cleanses her with the washing of water worth the word, and that He would prevent He would present to Himself the church in all her glory having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that he should, that she should be holy and blameless. And the reason I wanted to lay that down for us is that principle of love for a husband, and it carries over for a father as well, but there's the responsibility of love, which involves presenting, in that case, the wife holy and blameless. Like there's a time when our, we hand over to God our children and our wife, our house is handed over. We've been granted the authority there to be stewards of it. Like, but we're not the, the king of the house in one sense. I mean, we, 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 we stand in place of the king who is Jesus and God, the father and you know the, the triune God. We stand in that place as a representative um, but we're the stewards. It's the the one who uh, gets charge of the property, who leads the other servants, but does so at the behalf of the actual owner. And so there's a day coming in which, you know, when if you're married, you or your wife will die. At that point, your marriage is is over. And it's in the hands of God. And so the whole work of your, 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 your work as a husband is being able to present your wife pure and blameless. And that same kind of thing is raising your children up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. The whole goal of this is the presenting to God of those under your charge as uh, pure and holy. That is to present those under your charge as you have faithfully uh, obeyed God. And I kind of want to lay that foundation before we look at Numbers 30. Okay. Yeah, good foundation. So with that in mind, that means then that we are, as we love our uh, wives and children, part of that and presenting them pure and holy is like, there's sin in the house. What do we do with it? Do we have responsibility with that? Like if our, you know, here's the, the perfect example. Then this is what always bothers me. Like I go to the park this time of the year mm-hmm. and it's just gotten to be like a disaster. You can't even go to like the city park without seeing some young girl completely immodest, like dressing like a stripper. Yeah, I know. Yeah, the the the, the local park or even the, even the, like family parks where there's like a little kids pool and stuff. I, there's always some mom or something there. Yeah. I know. That's the point I'm about to make. It's actually, usually there's like the mom with the daughter and the mom and the daughter are walking out front and the dad is like pulling up in the rear. Like he's, yeah. and he seems either he's oblivious to it or he knows about it, but he doesn't ever say a word. Mm-hmm. And so like, when there's sin in our home, whether it's that kind of sin or, you know, it, it's the sin of like whatever it could be, who's ultimately responsible? Like, 
Now, there's a whole debate about this, like, uh, and we're, and I, I don't want to remove the agent moral agency of our children or our wives. They are responsible for their own sins, but in the house and for the stain of the house, who's responsible? Who bears that? Right. And so I think actually Numbers 30 is a pretty good uh, thing to look at. Could you maybe let's read through Numbers 30. You, I've never, ever heard a sermon preached on Numbers 30, by the way. Oh, man, me all the time. Well, I'm sure they pre- preach about it every week at Tony DePony, uh World Center of Prayer. <laughs> Clearly, you've not seen the vehicles I drive. Um, <laughs> it does not match up with having something like that. <laughs> I own like one suit. I don't even know if it fits anymore. <laughs> you don't have, you'd have a watch. Yeah, right. <laughs> I have a watch. Uh, okay. All right. Let me bring this up here. All right. So we're going to go the whole chapter. Yeah. That's just, that's just, uh, yeah, let's read through it. And then instead, we won't work through, like we've before, we've gone through a passage and kind of line by line, like we're exegeting for a sermon. Let's just get the whole thrust of this. And then, and then we can kind of from here go into application. All right. Here we go. Then Moses spoke to the heads of the tribes of the sons of Israel, saying, This is the word which the Lord has commanded. If a man makes a vow to the Lord or takes an oath to put himself under a binding obligation, he shall not break his word. He shall act in accordance with everything that comes out of his mouth. And if a woman makes a vow to the Lord and puts herself under a binding obligation... Can you stop for just one second? I do want to say one thing here. I'm going to let you finish, Taylor. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um... So this chapter is talking about oaths or binding obligations, vows. The Bible in the Old Testament talks about a lot of this way. Like a vow would be like if your crops are doing terrible or something, and you and you vow to God. You say, God, I'm I'm praying to you for strength in my crops, my crops, and so I vow to to give you thirty percent. Right. If you'll give me this this uh, success in this, it looks like uh, now, Samuel's mother made a vow. Yeah, the Lord. Yeah, and so some of it, and the all the commentaries are very careful to say you you can't vow something that's not lawful, but uh, it is a vow that you're supposed to keep. So like what you just read, this is the Lord's command. If you make a vow to the Lord, you take an oath. A man cannot violate his word. Like Psalm 15 talks about the, the who will ascend to God's holy hill. And the answer is he who swears by his own hurt. His own that hurt. Like, like you you made your word and you keep it. And I, I think about this a lot because people will often get themselves in trouble or something like this. And they'll be like, God, I swear to you that if you get me out of this. Mm-hmm. There was a... a, a it happens on. It's so much it happens so often that it's almost like a running gag type thing in TV shows or movies. Yeah, you know there was a guy that was a uh, this uh, uh, this uh, kind of scoundrel of a guy, atheist guy, was driving around a parking lot, and he couldn't find a parking spot, and it was just like he drove and drove and drove and drove around forever. Finally, he was like, "Well, I guess I'll." I'm, and I don't even really believe in God, but I'll pray. And he's like, God, if you let me find me a parking spot, I promise I'll go to church and I'll turn my life around. 
And as soon as he says that, there's an open parking spot right next to the front of the thing. And so he pulls in. He's like, never mind, God, I found a spot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of how uh, we are. So the point being here, Ron, I want to make that clear as you read through this. These are legitimate vows, and they are meant to be kept to the Lord. It is a holy duty to the Lord. And so that's an important point that we'll come back to. So go ahead. All right. Kanye, you going to let me finish? Yep. (laughs) And if a woman makes a vow to the Lord and puts herself under a binding obligation in her father's house in her youth, and her father hears her vow and her obligation under which she has put herself, and her father says nothing to her, then all her vows shall remain valid, and every binding obligation under which she has put herself shall remain valid. But if her father expresses disapproval to her on the day he hears of it, none of her vows or obligations under which she has put herself shall remain valid, and the Lord will forgive her because her father has expressed disapproval to her. I'm going to keep going? Yep. However, if she happens to marry while under her vows or the impulsive statement of her lips by which she has obligated herself, and her husband hears of it and says nothing to her on the day he hears it, then her vow shall remain valid, and her binding obligations under which she has put herself shall remain valid. But if on the day her husband hears of it, he expresses disapproval to her, then he will annul her vow which she is under and the impulsive statement of her lips which she has obligated herself, and the Lord will forgive her. But as for the vow of a widow or a divorced woman, every binding obligation under which she has put herself shall remain valid against her. However, if a married woman vows in her husband's house or put herself under a binding obligation with an oath, and her husband heard it and said nothing to her and did not express disapproval to her, then all her vows shall remain valid, and every binding obligation under which she put herself shall remain valid. But if her husband actually annuls them on the day he hears them, then no utterance from her lips concerning her vows or the obligation she put on herself shall remain valid. Her husband has annulled them, and the Lord will forgive them, or forgive her. Every vow and every binding oath to humble herself, her husband may confirm it, or her husband may annul it. But if her husband, in fact, says nothing to her from day to day, then he confirms all her vows and all her binding obligations which are on her. He has confirmed them because he said nothing to her on the day he heard them. However, if he actually annuls them after he has heard them, then he shall bear the responsibility for her guilt. These are the statutes which the Lord commanded Moses concerning matters between a man and his wife and between a father and his daughter while she is in her youth in her father's house. Great reading, man. You you should get one. You should be one of those audio audible book readers. Just just read just read books. Hey, I should read your. You know what? We should do, we should do an audio book of your children's book, and I'll read them. That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. All right. So, anyways, uh, um, I make a vow of it. You have this 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 kind of weird chapter here, right? Like, mm, kind of. I mean, it makes kind of sense. I mean, yeah, yeah, but nobody nobody ever preaches on this. Well, yeah, it's not a not a popular passage. <laughs> <laughs> But so here's the question: You have these oaths made to God, and yet we see here that if a of a young lady is in her under her father's care, if she makes one of these oaths and he tells her nope, then she's not bound by the oath anymore. Mm-hmm. And the same thing when she gets married. Like if she had an oath and she got married and her husband then finds out about it and then she's, and he says, no, she's not, uh, she's not bound by it. And then if they are married and she makes an oath and then he hears about it and gets rid says, nope, 
um, she's not bound by it, right? And the, it says the Lord will forgive her, which is very interesting because we talked about these are vows and oaths to God. Right, correct, yeah. Which no one should ever break their word to God. But what is even really being taught here in one sense is that God honors the authority in the home so much and and the right order of the home, the father in, in the lead, the, the, the husband in the lead, that he's willing to forego the duty owed to him on this in order to uphold that authority. It's almost like what you read from Ephesians, uh, you know, has a basis. Yeah. And so now the flip side on this that we, we that I didn't quite mention, but you've read, is that if the father hears about the vow and he doesn't say anything about it, mm-hmm. it stands. If the husband hears about it and he doesn't say anything about it, it stands. Mm-hmm. And then you get there at the end, like if, if the husband says nothing to her from day to day, it confirms all her vows. He's confirmed them. Other, in other words, his silence was consent. Like that man walking behind his wife and daughter. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Now, these are vows that are good here that he's giving silent consent to. But obviously, the principle applies to, then to things that aren't good, right? If it's one thing for him to consent to something good... And he can override the good thing with his authority because, you know, maybe there's some reason why. Maybe uh, the woman makes a vow that's uh, not a good vow. She, she, or it's kind of rash, or maybe it was it would harm the whole family. Like mm-hmm. he has reasons to be able to do that, and God upholds that. And, but notice that last part. It says, "If he indeed annuls them after he has heard them, then he shall bear her guilt," mm-hmm. yeah. which is basically like. So the, the context there is like he heard about her vow and for days he didn't say nothing. And then finally he's like, I'm going to do something about it. And now he's going to make her not do it. Well, he's going to be guilty for her breaking the commandment. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, kind of the whole point of that passage is the responsibility and where it's, where it's laid. So, yeah, the whole point of this passage is there's responsibility on, it's not so much about the woman doesn't have a say. And now her husband has all the say, which is what the feminists and all them will look at. But rather, it's all about the responsibility, actually. The man and the family has the responsibility. And if he, in silence, doesn't speak and doesn't, uh, uh, then he, he goes right along with the guilt of his wife. He shall bear her guilt. Now, where else do we know in Scripture where someone's wife did something and he was silent and he ended up bearing her guilt. Ah, I don't know. I think it's way past the beginning of the Bible. Oh, in chapter. Yeah. Way, way into the Bible, like three chapters. (laughs) Yeah. Three chapters, right? (laughs) Yeah. Right. So here was Adam dealing with Eve and Eve eats the fruit she takes the vow in a sense, this is time of the wicked one, and Adam does nothing. And then he goes along with it, and then he bears the guilt. He's the one that bears all the guilt for uh mankind in a sense. Like his his because of his sin, all man dies. Mm-hmm. 
which if you're a feminist and egalitarian, you got to look at that and think, well, wait a second. Why, why, why is Eve not the, the one <laughs> like from one woman, sin came death. That's not what Romans says. It's not what scripture says. All right, well, let's take a break right there. Uh, we're going to go to commercial break, and uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about some practical application for this and uh, how that plays out in the home. So stick around. You are listening to The Patriarchy on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. We'll be right back. like coffee? Do you live in the Indiana, Ohio, Kentucky, Tri-State area? Then we've got a great destination spot for you. Christ-centered, family-owned, and located in Sellersburg, Indiana, just over the border from Louisville, Kentucky, Mood Coffee Company prides themselves in being consistent, passionate, and reliable. Being a coffee lover myself, from personal experience, I can tell you that knowing your favorite drink and having it prepared wrong is an absolute day ruiner. Well, the folks at Mood Coffee Company want you to always experience the same amazing coffee as the first time you tried it. And I have to say, their presentation is absolutely top-notch, with all the coffee dressings of any top-tier gourmet coffee shop around, but without the woke nonsense, and yet with all the coffee shop charm. So what are you waiting for? Grab the wife or fiancé, hop in the car, and get yourself down to Mood Coffee Company to experience the atmosphere, the taste, and yes, I'm going there, the mood. And tell them the patriarchy sent you. To find out more, visit www.moodcoffeecompany.com. Dear Mr. Zuckerberg, I paid for an ad for a gardening course for men that I teach. No pansies gardening. But I got a notice that it's been removed for hate speech. I would like to submit for review, please, because we don't actually garden pansies. Signed, Al. Well, Al, good luck with that, because in about two seconds... Wait a second! I just got hit with another strike for submitting my request for a review? That doesn't seem fair. Yeah, Al, none of it does. (laughs) Just you wait, buddy. Oh, come on! Another strike just for clicking the I don't agree button? And now I can't even post? How am I supposed to advertise now? Good question, Al. And I think I may have an answer for you. And for everyone else that's been in the same boat as you. Are you like Al? You got your own business and you need to advertise, but it seems all the normal platforms just aren't working out because, well, they're woke and you're not. Yeah, we've been there too, but we want to help. We have an ever-growing audience on our show, and we're looking for Christian-owned businesses that want to advertise to men and women that are looking for honest, quality-driven products and services. If you like our show, our humor, and our production, send us an email at contact at thepatriarchypodcast.com with a brief description of your business, product, or service, along with the kind of advertising you're looking for on our show, and let's talk. Don't end up like poor Al over here. 
Oh, good grief. Now I have to submit my driver's license, a blood sample, and my firstborn child as tribute to Zuckerberg just to be able to submit another ad? Yeah, Al, it's not worth it, buddy. Send an email to contact at thepatriarchypodcast.com. Let's talk about advertising your business on our show outside of the confines of Zuckerberg and all the others. Welcome back. Um, before the break, we were uh, talking a little bit about responsibility in the home and uh, a man, a father, a husband, his responsibility to his uh, wife, to his daughter, to his sons, and uh, how that kind of plays out. We're talking a little bit from Numbers chapter 30. So now that we've kind of laid the foundation for that, Joseph, let's talk about how does this play out in the home? How does, how does this look when things go right, when things go wrong, and how do we handle it? Yeah. So, I mean, in one sense, this basically means that if there's things in our homes that we're unhappy about, we don't like, we bear the responsibility to make the change, right? Oftentimes it's because we haven't spoken. So you're talking about things like the the color of the wallpaper and things like that, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's this, this whole episode has been about <laughs> well, I, well, what I, my wife to help us change the, <laughs> the color. Well, of what, the I, what I put that I'm, I'm doing the devil's advocate thing on that because I know people are going to hear things in this like they're going to go, oh, well, just because you don't like it and because, you know. But actually, so, yeah. yes, uh, this is going to be this is kind of weird. But like there are times when so when you've been given authority it's it, it, as a steward, it's not so that you can sit on your throne as if you're the king and you have charge of all the property and everything for your very own benefit. Right. Like you everything think, you is, think of no one except yourself. That, yeah. 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 Yes. Like you're, yeah. it's all for you mm-hmm. on the, on the other hand though, there are times when as part of your leadership and authority, you'll make decisions that are good, but you'll benefit from them. Or they may even be based off of something like one of your preferences. You know what came to mind is, well, okay, this might be half preference and half, you know, wisdom partial. But like when you're talking about what do I want my daughter to wear when she goes out the door? Yeah. You know, like what do I want my daughter to wear um, when she goes to, to worship or or. Uh, even things like I, we've had, we've had a, we've had at least one episode on modesty. I, we should probably do another at some point. But things like you know, people will go, well, what is the perfect length, right, of of a dress? What is the all of that? And I think that there are things that are certainly wrong. But then I think there are times that if it's like, well, I would like it to go down to her ankles, or I would like it to go to mid calf, things like that, that might end up being, well, this is the the preference I, you could push back on me if i'm wrong on this but things like that that would be kind of like that that would be the preference or what you're, you're doing is you're taking a biblical principle of modesty mm-hmm. I, I think we can argue about there are things about it should be long and flowing sure. and stuff yeah, like that's that that's what i meant yeah, yeah but you're taking that principle and then you're applying it in real life which means that there is going to be some element of wisdom and preference to it like that's what i meant yeah you're not going out of the house wearing that why where's the bible verse mm-hmm. well Mm-hmm. Honor your father mm-hmm. yeah. is the Bible verse. Now, there may be other things like that, right? Like, 
um, recently I've enacted a rule that like if my kids are uh, been outside and if I find them in the house and I walk outside and there's still toys in the yard or like a popsicle trash or something in the yard. There's going to be consequences like this is really funny. You mentioned this. I, I just had this conversation last week with my kids. <laughs> I swear, fans, we did not talk about this ahead of time. But I, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So is there a gold? Is there a biblical law? You can't have toys in the yard. No. Show me the verse. Yeah. But <laughs> so it is somewhat of my preference. Absolutely. But I would say in this case, my preference is based off of let's be good stewards of yep. the land. Yep. Take care of what what we've been given and be good neighbors. Yeah, absolutely. Because nothing's worse than to live next to somebody and like their, their house is like Fred, uh, Fred Sanders. Uh, you know, you know who that is? Well, and I think there's something to be said about, uh, it's a self-control thing too. It's, it's that you should be able to not just throw things everywhere. You'd be able to pick them up, take care of your stuff. I mean, there's, there's, yeah, I, yeah. I try to teach them about that. Yeah. Yeah. But your, your principle, your preference there is based off of principles, mm-hmm. but it's an application, which you couldn't lay that law down for every person. I couldn't tell everybody in my church, mm-hmm. this is what you have to do because God says it. Right. 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 So, there are times when you have preferences and 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 yours have to stand. Now the the key is recognizing that on some sense that ought to be rare. Right, yeah. Yeah, it shouldn't be every single thing. Like if everything is about your preferences and every one of your preferences are principles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you, you you won't lead well. You'll find people will start to rebel against that. So you've got to give room to others in your family to be able to make decisions and those kinds of things. So even Numbers 30 gives gives pretty much a lot, pretty large amount of authority there over it all. And yet when you read it in the context of all the Bible, recognizing God's love for us, Christ's love for us, and how we're to rule in love, we see then that like it's not just this heavy-handed, tyrannical thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but coming back to then, all right, so you've been given authority, you need to lead your home into purity and you give consent when you're silent. So what do you do? Well, I mean, simple, right? You got to be able to speak. You have to be able to teach and instruct and exhort and even rebuke your children and your wife. Now, how you go about doing that takes wisdom, right? And one of the things I've kind of thought about is your authority as you maintained it. You kind of have like authority capital. Okay. Like you've been given authority by God. So you have it. Like it's there, it's yours. But there's also a kind of authority that you gain by your character, your wisdom, your love. And this is what I'm going to call your authority capital. That is your, you might call it your authority checkbook. Okay. All right. And so. I think I'm tracking. You're talking about almost like you gain more loyalty of somebody. Yeah. And you you gain more credibility and more liability to obedience. So whenever you, whenever you're, you're, you gain it by serving others and it's not trying to be manipulative. I'm not saying go out and like, if I do this, you've got to do that. Right. And I'm talking about a bargain. Yeah. 
Yeah. Don't don't bargain with your wife thinking if I really do all this, then she'll do everything I want her to do. That that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is you just have relationship capital, authority capital. And so when you spend it, you want to spend it on things that are of importance, right? So for example, going to the yard thing, I'm going to spend some relationship capital or authority capital on it. But I need to be mindful that like, how much do I want to spend on that? Because if you spend it, you don't get it back right away. Mm-hmm. So if somebody that's going around barking orders all the time is just spending. And eventually the people that they bark orders to start to think they start to stop caring yeah. Like they start to think this guy is all bite, all bark and no, no bite. bite. Yeah. Yep. And he's, you've spent a bunch of, you've written a bunch of checks, but you can't cash any of them. Mm-hmm. And eventually people stop taking your checks. And so what I would say then is when you're dealing with your wife and your children, you need to speak up and you need to think, okay, well, what sins, what things do I need to correct in the house? Are they important? Are they things where I can be quiet and yeah, I'm giving my consent to because they're good things. Are they things that like, like little minor sins that like we could correct long-term like have patience for the long-term or is this something I need to stop right now? Right. Right. Yeah. Well, and I think there's things like you have to ask yourself, uh, you know, is there a cause to this? Is this a, is this a, something that's a symptom of something worse. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, I, I think I, I think back at it, we had an episode a long time ago. I think, it, yeah, it was with uh, uh, Pastor Bailey. And I remember we were talking about, uh, like, men with long hair, I think, if I remember right. I think it was an effeminacy episode. Yep. And uh, I remember, I think, asking him how he handles that. And I think he said something, to, I, I'm not trying to quote him here because I'll get it wrong, but he said something along the lines of there's there's... You know, you don't always say something because there could be. There's probably something under the surface on that that's causing it. That there's there's something else you need to address first before you address that. And I've always kind of kept that in the back of my head. I think of things with like my kids. You know, what is, what you know, if there's if there seems to be some kind of outburst of anger, obviously you want to stop that. But where is that coming from? Yeah. So yeah, you want to take the time to actually be just too. Mm-hmm. Um. So for example, like rebukes. Rebukes is a hard a hard telling somebody to stop of something. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't have to be harsh. In fact, it ought to be gentle and kind. And yet it still has the potential of like, this is difficult. It's generally hard to hear. And so yeah, yeah. in one sense, rebukes ought to be, and I'm going to borrow from the old abortion slogan, right? They ought to be safe, legal, and rare. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and and what I, let me explain what I mean by that. By okay. Let's start with rare. <laughs> It's like if you're going around just rebuking everybody all the time, well, then you've got no you've, – you've spent all your capital. It doesn't carry any weight. Yeah. It doesn't carry any weight because everything to you is, an, is a 9 a.m. alarm or whatever. What is it? A nine, what's the – I know what you're saying. I'm going to get it wrong if I say it, but yeah. 9-11 alarm or something. So everything <laughs> – It's not that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know it's not that. Okay, okay. And now we're on some watch list by the government or something. Okay. It was all a fake. I'm just kidding. Okay. Oh, good. Oh, man. Oh, man. Bush did it. Yeah. Bush okay. Lied. Oh, man. Oh, no. We're going to have all sorts of crazies in the comments now. It was, it was aliens. All right. So anyways, um, 
rare in a sense of like, it, it, it would be rare if you've done the discipline and the work beforehand. Right. A lot of times rebukes in our home happen because we've allowed a lot of things to get to the point where we have to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's other, there's other methods, other tools in your toolbox. So that's what I mean. But rare, there are times you need to do it. Right. The Bible says, uh, don't hate your enemy. I mean, not your neighbor. Sorry. Don't hate your neighbor. And, uh, but speak, speak, speak truth to them. Mm -hmm. And so, Speaking truth is not always in the form of rebuke, but there's times when you get to that legal. What I mean by legal is it needs to be um, not just according to your word, but according to God's word. Yeah, not not just preference. Yeah, not, not just preference. No, like we already talked about, there's an element of preference on things. Right. Like, but you really need to dig down into the principle for why the preference exists. So, like, yeah. If it's simply you wanted chocolate chip ice cream and your wife went to the store and got Oreo ice cream for the kids, mm-hmm. and it wasn't because she was just trying to put her thumb in her, your eye or something, yeah, stick it to some you, kind yeah. of sinful behavior, yeah. and you rebuke her for that, well, you've not done legal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then that, what I mean. That's just selfishness at that point. Yeah. And then what I mean by safe is not like safe in the sense of like, well, this has got to be carried out in such a way they'll not be angry with me. Mm-hmm. But what I mean by safe is like there's a good right way to go about these things. So your wife maybe is in the middle, maybe she's engaging the children and she's doing so with nagging and and or something that's not right, right? And so you need to correct it. The safe thing to do in this case, what I mean by safe is not to just rebuke her there in front of all the children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But instead, you wait until both yourself and your wife, if, if you can, are not in the heat of the moment. And also that you can uphold her authority. Mm-hmm. The worst thing a father can do in a home is diminish the authority of his wife. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, you should not have those arguments in front of your kids. Yeah, because she, you know she is the authority under, underneath you, and, and you want to prop that up because she's with the kids all the time. You don't want to have to trying to be mediating every single conflict. It's like when, when Moses got overwhelmed with the people of God, um, his father-in-law told him to put these other people in authority underneath him. But uh, if in doing that, Moses can undermine all their authority and cause himself a whole lot more headaches. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. And so, you're not if you've got to rebuke somebody that's underneath you, but they're an authority. Take them to the side somewhere where it's quiet. Do it in a, in a gentle way, explaining the truth based on God's law as much as you can. And so that's what I mean by the rebuke aspect of this needs to be safe, legal, and rare. Safe, legal, and rare. I never thought I'd hear that in a positive <laughs> light on our episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that brings us into like. Okay, things are in your home, not doing well. You have to act, and that, and you have to have faith for that, because your silence in it is consenting to it. And if you wait and you wait and you wait and you wait and you never say anything, but then finally you blow up on it, well, you share in the guilt that caused it. Yep, no way around that. So maybe, Tony, you have any like any thoughts about this? 
Um, I mean, I've already said a couple things that came to mind on it. Um, but I, I mean, in terms of, I, we've had other episodes on on. Yeah, well, actually, you and I before we started uh, recording this, we mentioned the Barney Fife thing. Uh, so if you haven't heard that episode, go back and listen to it. That's an early one from us. But um, you know, you can go. That 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 kind of reminds me of what you were just talking about, where you don't just full tilt. <laughs> All the time has to be my way. You know, you're kind of, care. what was it? You were saying that episode, you carry, you carry the gun with the one bullet in it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All the time. But then, you know, there's the other, there's, there's the other extreme. We've talked about two ditches all the time, but where you just get where you, you, you know, you're not going to say anything you, you have actually, I feel like we did an episode on that where it's kind of a false piece where it's just, well, we're, we're not arguing, you know, nobody's saying anything and so everything's fine but uh that that that's a false piece that won't stay for a long time and and that's i've seen that happen uh i i've seen that happen earlier in my marriage you know years ago um and and i coming from somebody with experience on that you know you, you have to say something and you also have to say it the right way and that's something that you'll you'll learn you'll need to repent of at times because you'll go overboard or say something wrong or not say something for a long time and then you do bear the guilt of it like we were just talking about because and you'll know it that's probably one of the harder things of it too is you'll know it um but yeah you you should have i think i don't know maybe one of the practical things is you should have maybe uh a set aside of time my wife and i do this uh a little bit lately actually we've got to the wayside so we should get back to doing it but we had a time where when i would come home from work um we would set aside yeah 10, 15 minutes, something like that. And we talk about what was going on in the day. And then also just times at night after the kids were in bed, we'd sit on the couch and talk. Uh, you know, even every couple of weeks we go out uh, on a date together and we talk. But things like that, I think you should have you should have set aside times where you can talk with your wife and these things can come up to where you don't have to get to a point where it's this... I don't want to say where you have to, you never get to get to a point where you have to rebuke your wife or your kids or something, but you should be able to try to see these things coming and kind of head them off at the pass. And um, I think that kind of goes along with what we're saying. You just, you have to be paying attention to this and then you have to be able to talk about it and you have to do it in a way that's not just about your preference, but it's about what's best for your family, what's best for your kids, what's going to make them um, better human beings, better followers of Christ and, and your wife the, the same, that that's going to, um, get her closer to God that's going to make her uh, help her in her sanctification those kind of things that that's the kind of motivation we should have behind what we're doing when we have these hard conversations or even you know somewhere in between yep man so avoid the ditches man like the the ditch when you hear about like numbers 13 the ditch is like all right man I'm the authority and so you're gonna like you're gonna trample under your wife and your family. And then, but the other ditch is like, oh, you're so afraid of that authority. I'll be honest. I think both ditches on this are fear. Yeah. I think, I think obviously not saying something is the easier one to say is that's the fearful one. And it's true. It is. You're afraid of what they're going to say. But I, I actually think the other one is fearful too, is where you go full tilt. This is my way or the highway. I don't care what you think. I don't care what's going on. Um, I think that's fearful of, well, you know, what if they want to do something different? What if, what if, what if, you know, they try to take my authority from me or any of those kind of things? I think that's still fear. It's not faithfulness in that. It's also not patient <laughs> for sure. No. Um, when Christ exercises authority over us, 
it's certainly not from fear. He doesn't fear us. He has nothing <laughs> right. to fear. Yeah. And if we're to be that kind of patriarch, then we have to follow his 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 footsteps, his model. We have to do it in with righteousness, with justice, and in faith with in him. Because the problem is we mess it all up. <laughs> what are you, you know, talking like, about? <laughs> we do all the time. That happens, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's times we don't speak and we end up like, okay, we've let it go on for so long. And then you kind of think, all right, now that I do speak, I'm going to bear the guilt of this. Mm-hmm. So what do you do? Do you just continue not speaking about it? You just, all you're doing is building up more guilt at that point. Yeah. So you know you got to you got to speak, but you might your your speaking might have to begin with family, wife, children. I've seen this going on for so long. I've said nothing. It's my fault. I've allowed this to continue. I'll take the responsibility. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And now this has to change. I'll give you a real life example. I mean, this has happened to me uh, some time ago, but there was a point where uh, my kids were not listening to my wife the first time she said something, the first time she told them to do something. And I, it was a very busy time for me. I'm not making excuses on this. But this is in my head. What was going on was I was very busy at the time. You know, they usually listen the second or third time. But there was a point where I let it go and I could hear my wife getting more frustrated. And then I could realize I was realizing, no, this is my fault. I should have had this conversation. I should have immediately stopped what I was doing, punished my child, you know, for not listening to their mom the first time. And that was the same thing. As I went out, uh, it was before uh, family worship one night, and I said, I have something that I need to repent of to all of you. And I said, and this is my fault. And the same thing. I said, I, I have seen this happening for a while, and I did nothing about it, and I failed you in this. And uh, and I said, but then it's going to change. And then we went into what was going to be done and why. I explained to him why it was important to obey their mother the first time um, you know, and not the second, third, fourth, whatever time, things like that too. And that was something that I've tried to do anytime I've explained something of this is how this is going to change, or this is what I want you to do. Even, even the thing like you were talking about with the, uh, the yard. Um, I, I, I didn't just say to my kids, you know, you're going to get punished if you don't pick up the stuff in the yard. I, I, I sat them down and explained to them why, and it was what you were just saying too, which is we should be good stewards of our yard. We should be good stewards of the toys that we have and the things that we have and we should love our neighbor um by not having a junky yard next door and leaving things out you know and i even explained things too because there was <laughs> there was a point where i was mowing the lawn and uh i i nailed a toy at one point it had launched it like really far like really really far and luckily it didn't hit anything but things like that i mentioned like and it is also loving your neighbor to not leave things in the yard that daddy's gonna hit with the lawnmower and launch potentially at our neighbors you know so but yeah, there there's a time like that where I had to sit down and say, "This is my fault, and I did wrong." And but this is how it's going to change. Yep. All right, you good? You got anything else to add, or we'll wrap this baby up? No, I I mean I, and if you if you really can't bring yourself to do this, then grow a pair. <laughs> how many pairs? <laughs> I don't know. Become a great big fruit farmer and have a nice stand on the side of the road. <laughs> there you go. Oh, goodness. It just has to bring it right back around to the joke. All right, folks. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, if you are not yet a Fight Left Feast Club member, or, hey, if you know somebody who isn't yet, 
and you want to get him a great gift, go to fightleftfeast.com. Sign up, become a member, or sign your friend or family member up with the code PATRIARCHY if you want to support our show and get access to our other show, After the Sandwich. You're missing out if you're not hearing that one, so become a club member. Fightleftfeast.com and use the code PATRIARCHY when you do. So with that being said, until next time, if you have not yet bowed your knee to Christ, repent and believe. And if you have, this is our call to you. Build, fight, protect, lead. This is The Patriarchy. Thank you.